So we have been on this course, The Road to Abundant Life, focused around the scriptures in John 10, 10. It reads, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life in abundance. Five truths real quick that we can get just out of that. One, you have an enemy. We have, there is a thief and an enemy to every single one of our lives. Second truth, out of this one sentence, his mission, his sole mission is to steal from you, kill you, and destroy your life. If you are wondering if things are getting stolen, if death is in your life, dreams, visions, not just physical death, hopes, goals, relationships, and you feel death is in that, or things are getting destroyed in your life, it's because you have an enemy. Number three, Jesus has come. Amen? Like he says, I have come. And he came with purpose. He came with purpose, number four, for us to have life. But number five, that is a specific type of life. It is God-abundant life. Pastor David taught about it in previous weeks. I really recommend go back and listen to his messages. The idea of Zoe life, that it's God life. It's this life. It's not just the physical existence. It's this life that extends beyond us. It's that, it's that scripture and that idea where it says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. It's that thing within you going, there is something bigger. There is something greater, vibrancy and energy and passion and zeal. That is all wrapped into and just a part of the grandeur that is Zoe life. And that is the life that God promises. And here's the thing, we read this and we associate that. Many times Christians associate that to one day maybe in glory. And Jesus doesn't say that. He says so that you can have life and life more abundant in the here and the now. But when I became a Christian and I, I did the, the classic come down the aisle, I did it every, every, every church uh, summer youth camp actually, um, come down the aisle. <laughs> Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. And I was taught that in Jesus, there's freedom. In Jesus, there's healing. In Jesus, he can mend the brokenhearted. He does all these things. And so I said, sign me up for that package. And I went home and nothing changed. I went home to broken relationships. I went home to ungodly thinking and ungodly habits. Right? I mean, am I the only one? Or did everybody get like the immediate upgrade package? Like <laughs> you went to sleep, you woke up and you had abundant life like immediately. No. Right? I still had emotional heart wounds. Right? I still had conflicts with relationships I shouldn't have conflicts with people in my own home that I know I loved and know I loved me. And so there was, there was a misconnect, Right? So we've been talking, you know, the past three weeks, we looked at the first week and the, our need for the navigator, our need to knowing God, trusting God with our lives. Who is he? Not just who is he, the Sunday school answer, the thing you know you're supposed to say, but who is God for you? Is he your healer? Will he heal you? It's one of those things that I can, I can have an interaction with one of you and I can say all the things I'm supposed to say because of the paycheck I get and stuff like that. I'm supposed to tell you, you know, God's your healer, God's your provider. But it's another thing when I get the phone call at my house or I get the text message from my family or I have the interaction, you know, whatever that is. Is he a healer? Is he a provider? Does he forgive me? So we need to know the navigator. Week two, we talked about we need to be um, we need to be connected. We need to find that cell tower, right? We need to be connected to him. We stay connected to him in what we think about him, our intentional meditation on him of who he is. 
Week three, we talked about getting out of the ditch of partnering with God, that there's not just the attitude, it's, it's all on me to fix everything, or it's all on God to fix everything, but it's a partnership of me partnered with the Holy Spirit to live this life of abundant life. Well, now I want to shift gears, pun intended, every pun, always intended. <laughs> I want to shift gears and look under the hood, all right, of these cars that we're traveling in down, down this, this illustration. Because it's time to talk about some car maintenance. See, when you come down the aisle, Jesus has totally paid the price for you. Like, who here knows that, like, cars are really expensive? Anybody? Like, right. So I first learned that cars are really expensive, I think, on sick days when the Price is Right would come on at 11 a.m. Anybody? Right. And then in the showcase showdown, that's where the cars were. Is it my necklace? I was wondering. Thank you. No, it's my necklace. I was like, I'm not chewing gum. I couldn't figure it out. There we go. That's so much better. Thank you. Um, so the cars were in the showcase showdown. So they're the, they're the big prize, right? And so, but then like I owned a car. And and all the cars, yes, cars and on themselves are very expensive. But like nobody told me maintenance was really expensive. <laughs> like if they showcase showdown me and they were like a lifetime of tires and oil changes, I would be like, yes, I want to win that one and only that one, right? <laughs> Like, it's like one of the most, like, I think it was one of the first, that and car insurance is one of the first slap, like, adulting moments, I remember. <laughs> Mom, I need gas. And they're like, well, yeah, you should probably go get that. Like, so here's the thing. Jesus is the prize. Like, we have the car. We have, the, and, and, and don't give me wrong, like, he is the prize. Like, that, the, the reality of salvation and healing and, bro, and healing relationships and all of that Yes, that is the prize, but there is maintenance required to keep that, to, to achieve that and keep a hold of that. And if we ignore that fact, if you, okay, if you want a car and never got the oil change, how's it going to go for you? It's going to lock your engine up. Even if you put like bad oil in it, or you don't change it as often as you should, it's going to, your life, the engine of your heart, is not going to run as it should. There'll be that sludge and that buildup, right? I don't know a lot about cars, but I know that. I know that my, my dad told me that. Is it true? I don't know. Car people? Yes? yes? Yes, I remember my grandfather, only put cash for oil in your car. I have no idea why. Just that was, I just don't remember that. My papa. So I want to talk about the maintenance. And I think one of the biggest maintenance things that, I'm not going to cry brought me the most freedom and the ability to stay free was forgiveness. That's right. We're talking about the F word. Like, just do it. <laughs> there you go. There's my joke. Which, like, some of y'all may have, like, somewhere been in that realm. Like, uh, that, yeah. Like, and listen, I love forgiveness. Like, for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, but no, I'm like... Hear my passion, hear my heart. This is one of the most incredible truths that I was not presented in a godly context until I allowed far too much damage in my life. So when I prayed that prayer of asking God to soften our hearts, I mean it. And honestly, for some of you know where we may go in this message and where, where the Lord's lately in my heart, I wish I was standing in front of a mirror and a mirror only. Because I'm not 
speaking to any one of you because I know a situation or don't know a situation or anything. If you feel that this morning, that's the Lord. Let me just tell you right now, you're hearing from the Lord. You're not hearing from me. You're not hearing because Jessica knows a story in your life or something like that. You are hearing from God. I am preaching to a mirror and a mirror only. Okay. Our first interactions with forgiveness often come in childhood. And here's the context it was for me. I had siblings. So one of us stole a toy or hit somebody or was mean. Stop touching me. Stop touching me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You know, okay. And getting caught, the adult figure would bring us over and say, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Whether I was or not, it didn't matter. I'm sorry. Okay. Y'all make up. Go play. And that became the foundation and teaching on forgiveness for me. And so I grew up and there was, this became this lofty, noble virtue of apologize, make up, move on. Nowhere in there is forgiveness. Like, hear me. Forgiveness is not apologize, make up, and move on. Those are completely different things. We'll get there. But nowhere in that scenario was forgiveness ever had, demonstrated, or anything like that. So what is forgiveness? Let me define this. Forgiveness is the intentional decision to release resentment, anger, and the desire for revenge towards a person or group who's caused you injury or offense. The intentional decision to release resentment, anger, and the desire for revenge towards a person or group that caused you injury or offense. Let me stress a little more. It is a conscious, voluntary choice not to hold someone's actions against them. I would even go, or inactions against them. What forgiveness is not condoning, excusing, actions or inactions. It does not imply nor does it require reconciliation or forgetting the incident. Amen. 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 Okay, I want to draw some clear lines. I want to allow us to redefine some things in our life. So let me make sure I'm establishing that it is not condoning. It is not excusing the action or inaction. It does not imply or require reconciliation or forgetting the incident. A lot of times when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going through this with our students. He says, you have heard it said, but I say. So let's just apply that right here. You have heard it said, forgive and forget. Let's see what Jesus does. Let's see what Jesus says. Okay. Um, and kind of like preparing for the message and, and looking it up, I, I looked at like, what is forgiveness? You know, I'm Googling that. And I'm looking at like secular sor- sources. I want to know what the world has to say. Christian sources. I want to know what they have to say. You know what like both of them tend to say? They're like, it's a central theme of the Christian faith. Like both of them say that. And I'm like, awesome. I think it's the whole dang thing. I don't think it's just a central theme. Uh, one, um, one Catholic priest actually in, in his uh, blog that I was reading on forgiveness says that love is the point and forgiveness is the other side of the coin. That we are called to love people. But who here knows that like, just like an engine, things start to rub, friction starts to happen. When we, in all of our interactions and relationships, that same thing happens. And so when love gets hard, when the situation gets hard to love, 
we flip the coin to forgiveness, which then allows us back to love. Like you can't separate the two. Followers of Jesus, and if you identify as such, you are a kingdom citizen. You are a citizen of God's kingdom. That means that you are subject to his way of doing things. Kingdom citizens are people who live constantly in forgiveness. And we do that because our Lord does. All right, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God has also forgiven you. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God has chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others or are to forgive others. Like forgiveness is so core to our existence as kingdom citizens that Jesus put it in the example of the prayer we are to pray, right? We sang it like comes out of Matthew. It says, you know, forgive us our sins. It's not up there. I mean, forgive us our sins as, the, as we forgive those who sin against us or forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors or forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. Whatever translation you memorize it with, you're not getting away from the fact that we are called over and over and over. Touch right after we ask God for our basic needs and daily bread. We declare and ask for forgiveness and we equate it to the same way you forgive me, God. I am forgiving others. Ooh, we'll get back to that. Here's the thing, and, and, and I, I am, this is confession. I looked at forgiveness as a, yeah, I should do that. I should do that. It's a good virtue. That's noble. Just like I should go to the gym. Yeah, I should do that, right? Or maybe something you're a little more, I should go to the dentist. And you're like, yeah, you should. Like, that's a thing. But I could get away with not, right? Nothing, nothing seems to be affected if I don't. The shift in my mind, the shift in my heart, the shift in my thinking is that a kingdom citizen lives under not a mandate of should, but a mandate of must. And it is that. It is a mandate. Forgiveness is a mandate. God's command for us to be people who walk in forgiveness is a mandate. And the reason is because God knows that we are going to have ample opportunity right. to be obedient. Now, give me a minute to add a disclaimer. I do not want to trivialize anything in our lives that has caused us injury. I don't want to trivialize anything in my life that's caused injury. So I'm not saying this flippantly. I'm not saying it casually. I'm not just saying, oh, just forgive them. There are evil things that have been done to just about everyone in this room. Like, hear me in that. And in doing that, I want to, I want to kind of create two boxes that we can put things in our lives opportunities to forgive. The first box, I'm going to call it the box of offense. We can be offended by things and to various degrees, but you can be offended that you got cut off driving. 
you uh, are y'all holier than me? Like, no, you're not. Like, okay, you can get offended that someone took your parking spot. You can get offended that someone took the job you thought you should get. You can get offended by the blog post or the social media post that didn't line up with your political beliefs or your moral values or whatever it may be. You can be offended by a lot of things. Category one, offense. Category two, injury. You can be personally, deeply wounded by other people and events. Now, there can be a Venn diagram. These can overlay, but there are woundings. There are things that happen that, again, I want to call them with our evil things that cause deep injury. I would say God's mandate over both of them is forgiveness. With offense, usually to get there, we have to acknowledge our pride. Scripture says that we humble ourselves and he exalts us. So that's an opportunity to forgive someone by releasing our pride in that situation. Oh, but injury is different. Injury is personal. And let me be really clear. You can be injured on behalf of other people. Your loved ones, you can see them. You can, some people have been more injured by the people, other people being hurt in their life than the person that actually got hurt. Okay. Forgiveness with injury opens the door to healing. So whereas pride can die in offense, healing can come into injury. All right. Forgiveness is a choice. We'll hear this. You have heard it said. Forgiveness is a process. I am telling you, according to scripture, forgiveness is a choice. Yeah. Healing is a process. Can we? I will. Like, thank you. Forgiveness, according to God's word, because it's a mandate, because it's non-optional, forgiveness is a choice. Healing is a process. And one brings the other. They don't work the other way around. Thank you. The Lord said it. <laughs> sin and, sin and, and, and the, the sin of unforgiveness. And let me be very clear. The sin of unforgiveness. If we are not obedient to God's mandate, we are in sin. The reason God's so passionate about us being people that forgive is because he knows that. And one, sin causes separation. So right off the bat, we become separated from God with unforgiveness in our heart. <laughs> Secondly, it opens the door to the thief. So not only do you have an enemy that's trying to climb over the wall, as we've used in past illustrations, you open the door. And here's the thing of opening the door to the enemy. You don't get to choose what friends he brings. Okay? Remember, his, his, his friends are stealing, killing, and destroying. Destroying. Here. As a believer in Jesus, the enemy can never touch your soul in the sense of salvation. That's settled. He can destroy your life and make it a living hell on the way there. Because that's the closest he'll ever get you to hell in all actuality. Is the hell you open up and invite in through sin. And I would say unforgiveness. Y'all are quiet this morning. I'm okay with it, but still. Let's talk about the seriousness that Jesus has towards sin. Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what it means to be citizens of the kingdom and what that looks like in relationships with one another. You get the passage here where 
two of the disciples have asked to be to sit beside Jesus' right and his left. Peter heard that transaction. He wasn't exactly happy that that happened. There was a little tension in the room. And other things happen that Jesus is explaining the need for forgiveness. And he talks about Matthew 18 of how we should, uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, approach them and, and, and reconcile and things like that. And you can go look that up. But Peter comes up and says in verse 21, Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who has sinned against me? As many as seven times? Jesus responds, I tell you, not as many as seven. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Back then, the rabbis used to teach that three times was enough. Three times, forgive somebody, that's about it. So Peter, and Peter's always going to Peter, right? Peter going to Peter. Peter's like, what about seven, Lord? Gold star, right? Because seven was the number of perfection and wholeness and completion. But Jesus, because Jesus going to Jesus, raises the bar. Amen. And he says, I'm not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven or seven, seven times. Wholeness times wholeness. Completion times completion. You free of all of it. Always. Limitless. Y'all tracking with me what Jesus is saying? I wish our culture had the same meaning as numbers as they did, but we understand it is, listen, if you're doing wholeness times wholeness, that's the whole thing. Not three times three and not seven times. Jesus is saying you forgive until it's completely forgiven. Does he say until the action stops? Does he say until they repent and tell you they're sorry or ask for forgiveness? Nope. Because here's the thing, forgiveness is 100% on us. 100% on us. Jesus continues. Here we go. Help me, Lord. Oh, he said it. Verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him since he did not have the money to pay it back. His master commanded that his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay back the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion and released him and forgave him the loan. That servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him and said, pay me what you owe. At this, his fellow servants fell, his fellow servant fell face down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay back what was owed. Could y'all imagine trying to like pay back debt while you were in prison and cannot work? Anyway, When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said, so this is the king talking, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? But because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. 
Jesus talking. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. I'll sit with this for a second. No, it's not read up there. It's read in my Bible. These are all Jesus's words. Two people owe a debt. One owing 10,000 talents, the other owing 100 denarii. Let's do some quick math to understand what's going on here. You have that for me, Abby, the next slide? 10,000 talents. One talent is roughly equal to 6,000 denarii, and a denarii is considered a day's wage. So let's say on a $50,000 income, you're making about 137 bucks a day, times that by 6,000 is $822,000, and this man owed that times 10,000. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Wow. Wow. Like, I, I hope, like, if, if I can make that, like, I don't know if the board will approve that <laughs> debt for me. Eight million, 8.2 billion, excuse me, dollars. All right, let's look at the other side. Next slide for me. One denarii, a day's wage, $137 and 100 days, because he owed... He owed 100 denarii, right? All right. Equals 822,000. Uh, that's bad math. Hold on. Just put up the number. It's bad math. Stop it. That's what he owed. <laughs> My copy and paste got ahead of me there. $13,000. I'm not going to, like, I mean, I'll take a, an extra $13,000. Like, that's not cheap. I, I have no problem with that. Emily Rodriguez, I just shared the password with you. Um, yeah, like that's, that, that's a lot of money. But when somebody says, be patient with me, I'll pay you back, you might believe that. Be a lot more likely to believe it than $8 billion. <laughs> Wait, the ridiculousness. And then Jesus, in case we were like missing what the parables and what the different symbols and the parables mean, Jesus in verse 35 is very clear who the king is in this illustration. The king is our heavenly father. The king is God, and we owe him a lot. Be patient, God. I'll pay you back. That's a work salvation mentality. Never going to happen. So he forgives us our debt, and then we go back and we hold people to the $13,000 debt. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of the things that have happened to us. I am not. I'm just saying in comparison. But then what is Jesus' response? Again, back in verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless you forgive everyone from your heart. Here's the breakthrough that came in my life. When I understood the correlation of forgiveness and the torture I felt in my life, about not being able to get breakthrough in certain situations, not being able to have breakthrough in certain relationships. And I realized that those two were tied together. Everything changed. I didn't have time to hold on to my right to be offended anymore. I needed breakthrough and healing in these situations. Like if, you, like if that's you, I'm hitting a wall in something. I'm hitting a wall in this, uh, this problem with addiction. I'm hitting a wall with this relationship. I'm hitting with a wall with my intimacy with God. I'm hitting these things. And it's almost to the point of tortures. I would ask you to start asking the Lord, who do I need to forgive? 
If you struggle with hearing from God, one of the best things you can do is ask him who you need to forgive. He'll make sure you hear him. Now, you can deny that you hear from him, but you will hear from him. Hello. Okay, so something is happening that we can't see that involves forgiveness and unforgiveness. Okay, like who here knows there is a spiritual realm. There are things happening in the spiritual realm that I can't, na- na- I can't see with my natural eyes. And it can go way back. It can go way back in your life. You can have an interaction with someone, someone in your life who probably loved you very much, but you had an offense or an injury that happened and you got tied up in unforgiveness towards that person. And years go by and you don't see in the natural its effects. But in the spiritual realm, there are major effects that happen. Sometimes you may have like a parent or a father figure that comes in who abandons you, hurts you, lies to you. And that becomes a pretty big stronghold on your life. And you, you leave that situation and out of sight and out of mind. And maybe even the sting goes away. So you feel like you've forgiven. You have a little instance with a coworker maybe or a friend maybe, and you can't get as close to them because you got things pulling on you, but they put that offense on you and you leave that situation. You have that situation with a boss. A little annoying. You don't like how he does things maybe, or you don't like that he does. Again, I said none of this was true. We had to talk about this. So it's a little offense that still has you tied up. And in some of these, you're getting tied up by things and people that you love deeply You love deeply, but you're tied up to them. And you continue to walk around in your life and you continue to do things. And just so you know, are y'all okay with the fact that these strings, I'm trying to do life and these strings are impacting other people and other relationships, right? They're actually impacting my ability to preach right now in the ministry God's calling me to, okay? We don't see it, but it's happening. Let Let me just read this quote. Rex is having a lot of fun with this. forgot something I'm going to need for this. Let me read this quote. I really believe, I really believe that when someone else does us harm, we're connected to that mistreatment like a chain. And forgiveness, in my view, is a bold commitment to combat evil. Forgiveness is not being nice. It's not being a doormat. Right, right. It is a courageous act. The actual quote that I'm changing here, they actually cuss here, and I can't do that from the stage. But they're saying it's a pretty boss move. We'll say boss. That's a word I can use. Boss move in vernacular. Maybe retaliation or holding on to anger about the harm done to me doesn't actually combat evil. Maybe it actually feeds it. Because in the end, if we're not careful, we can actually absorb the worst of our enemies, and at some level we start to become them. And the bondages I'm in, I start to put on other people generationally. Relationships that hurt me start inhibiting me to be able to respond to other relationships. That boyfriend you thought you forgave, that first love, that first girlfriend that broke your heart, do you think you're not bringing that into your marriage? Come on, come on. I'll take them. I'm going to need them. Because here's the thing. This is the reality of what forgiveness does. So what does forgiveness do? Instead of passively saying, it's okay. 
It's wielding bolt cutters. And it snaps those chains that bind you. It is saying that what you did to me was so awful, so evil. I don't want to be tied to you anymore. It's not okay. So I'm cutting it off. Forgiveness is about being a freedom fighter. At all of them. Lord, who else do I need to forgive? <laughs> Amen. It is. It's about being a freedom fighter. You know what free people are? They're dangerous people. They're not controlled by the past. Free people laugh more. Free people see beauty in places that other people don't. Free people are not easily offended because who here knows that easily offended people are not safe people. Free people are not chained to resentment. They have their hands free to love and to serve and to minister. That's worth fighting for. Free people believe that there really is a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. Forgiveness is one of those weapons. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Going back to last week's message, it's you and the Holy Spirit. You forgive and then he can do something. He can go through the corridors of time in your life and things that used to hurt because they were tied to that original offense, they don't hurt, they don't sting, and they don't hold you back like they used to. I say that from personal testimony. It, it, it says in the scriptures, it says it just demolishes strongholds. What's a stronghold? Things that hold on to you strongly. And it also says it tears down arguments. These arguments, these, my right, my right to be offended, my right to be injured, my right to be a victim. If I forgive, I don't get to bleed on all the people and they don't get to pay me the attention that I need because I need to be getting that attention from God. But here's the thing. It says that these strong arguments stand between us and God. So I can't receive the healing I need from God because I'm standing in between that intimate relational knowledge because I want my argument to be right. We got too many people that are refusing to forgive and so they're not getting to step into their callings because they can't hear their callings because there's a wall up between them and their intimate relationship with God because they want to argue about being right. They want to argue and justify their offense. I need to hold on to this. Being broken has become our identity. Why do you think the next generation loves their labels? They're broken. And let's own it in our generations because they haven't seen true forgiveness modeled. They don't know who they are. They can't hear from God. There's an argument up against them and they are wounded and hurt and they, there's a justification for that. There's a right, there's an ungodly argument that we need forgiveness to tar- start tearing down. This is why Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, after the Lord's prayer, Let's see, no, yeah. Verse 14, Matthew 14, uh, before when you find it, Jesus says, for if you forgive others their offense, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, 
your father will not forgive your offenses. Our choice to forgive others or choice not to directly impacts our relationship with God. I don't like saying it. I don't like saying the idea that there are things that we can, we can act. They're like, it seems as if we're saying there are unforgivable things. The unforgivable thing is to live in a state of unforgiveness. I don't, I don't think I'm in, misinterpreting Jesus's words here. There's a difference between being a prisoner and a captive, but the result is the same. Captives are taken away into bondage. They're stolen into bondage. Something happens to them and they are placed in bondage. Prisoners do something that put them there, themselves there and earn it. But the bondage is the same. The choice not to forgive will still put you in bondage. I, um, with permission, I'll tell this story. Um, so y'all know my housemate. I'm going to name her because she knows I'm telling the story. Alyssa, love her. She's holding, she's holding babies. And, um, Alyssa's story goes something like this. Her mom was in the Peace Corps and met a guy in Honduras and they fell in love. They were going to have baby Alyssa. And just before they moved home to do that here back in the States, he was murdered. Um, and then... All that that was, absolutely incredible story um, for her mom. Alyssa's mom comes back, has the baby, and a, and a guy that she was friends with um, who knew Alyssa's biological father and knew them. They ended up getting back together, and in a God story, they get married, and he adopts Alyssa as her biological dad. And things being what it was, and, and her dad, you know, he, her dad had his own missteps, as we all do. But Alyssa started to put things on her, her adoptive dad because of unforgiveness in the situation with her birth dad. And in an op opportunity that I had, um, we were in a prayer room, we were in an opportunity praying, and the Lord led us to do an incredible thing and bring her to a place to forgive the people involved with the murder of her dad. And it was such a, um, it was sacred ground, a sacred space to watch that happen. And as she did, and she released some things, shortly thereafter, after truly choosing to forgive those people involved, the Lord revealed an argument that had raised up against the knowledge of God that she had made in her heart is that good things would be taken for her and she would get the next best. And therefore, every time her adoptive dad missed it, my biological dad wouldn't have done that. I got God's second best. It's never going to be good enough. So she, she realized that was in her heart, tied to the forgiveness. And so she, she, she broke that agreement. She said, you know, that's not true. She walked some more forgiveness with her, bi her adoptive dad. It was great. It was powerful. I loved it. Yay. Within a week, she gets a phone call from her adoptive dad. Hey, I don't like how our relationship is. Hey, I think I want to work on it. I want to be more intentional of how I restore a relationship. As someone who's been in Alyssa's life for years, knowing her family and all of that, I cannot stress enough how huge that was. 
And this did not come because Alyssa called her dad, but the dad that she needed, the dad she showed up, that she had put a wall up against because of this lie, something released in the spirit realm when she made a decision to choose, something she could never imagine would happen. Her creative thought would not see her dad ever doing that. Within a week, he's calling her to restore relationship. I'm standing on the sidelines as someone who believes this, but with my jaw on the ground that it actually works. Like that's my true confession. I wish she was here to tell it because it it is, it's a beautiful thing. But I saw it that when she released things in her life that really didn't have a direct impact, we weren't really in a prayer room to fix her relationship with her adoptive dad and all that kind of stuff. It just came up. But out of nowhere, she received the fruit of forgiveness from someone else. So how do you forgive? How do you forgive? I don't want to leave you just with this lofty virtue of go forgive. And the best example you have is back on, apologize, make up, go play. There are steps to forgiveness. Here we go. Step one. Oh, they're on your tables. They're on your tables. Step one. Thank God for forgiving you. It's a good place to start with gratitude. Step two, ask God, who do I need to forgive? See, if this is the oil change to our heart, sometimes we just need to check the oil, right? Good dads remind us to check the oil. I sang the the Dixie Chick song, like all, if you know what I'm talking about, her daddy says, check the oil, like all weekend I was singing that, right? Dads tell us to check, check the oil. Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? This might need to be a regular thing, a part of your daily life. Before your feet hit the floor, Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And then listen, that impression on your heart, it's not going to be an audible voice, but it's going to be an impression on your heart. You're going to randomly think of someone. You're going to see a picture. You're going to be reminded of an instance. Go there. Number three, repent for the sin of unforgiveness. Call it what it is. Own it. If you don't, you're just going to ignore it. I repent for the sin of unforgiveness. I'm making a change and I'm going to make a choice. Step four. Choose to forgive each offense or injury from your heart. This is really important. You did not get offended or injured broadly. We do not forgive broadly. Oh, I just forgive David. No, what did he do? What did he do? I forgive David for boom, boom, boom. I forgive them for not seeing me or speaking to me this morning at church. That offended me. I'm going to call it what it is. I forgive them. It's really important here that we don't justify because the reality is if you were injured, whether it was justified or not, doesn't matter. What do I mean by that? You're a small child. Mama's doing as best she can, but she doesn't see you fall and trip and she's not there to pick you up. You're all alone. You got, you got a scraped knee and mama wasn't there. Why? Mom's cooking dinner. Mom's being mom. She's doing awesome things. We can justify that we were hurt and ignore that we harbored offense. There's also perceived wounds. Perceived hurts. Little kid walks into a room and all the adults get real quiet. They've been laughing, they've been talking, but all of a sudden they get real quiet when she walks in the room and she takes injury and she takes offense and she believes a lie that nobody wants her around when really they were planning her surprise party. A perceived wound is still a wound, whether they meant to or not. People say, I didn't mean to. That, that doesn't change the effect it had on me. So good, so good. Intent does not change the injury or offense. So this is not a moment to start justifying. 
If you want to find compassion on people, then have compassion on people and get to a place of forgiveness. But forgiveness is, Lord, I choose to forgive so-and-so from my heart for what did they do? What did they do? And as you're there, check in. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Then you release them. You release the offender and you receive healing. Before God, I declare so-and-so is no longer in my debt. I release them. What are you releasing? I put some examples here. You can say your own. I release the evidence of all reasons to be, uh, to, excuse me, I release evidence of all the reasons they were wrong. I release, well, they did this, they did that. that attitude's gone. I release the need to see this person punished. I release the need for an apology. I release the need for you to declare me right and them wrong. Father, I ask you to heal this injury in my life. And in releasing them to you, what do you give me in return? For those of you that connect with God visually, see yourself putting that person in your hands, handing them to Jesus, and then ask him, what do I get in return? Those are the promises of God in your life that you can hold on to. Number six, seal it with a blessing. You want to know how you really forgive someone? You bless them. And this is not, bless them. I bless them, Lord, to know you more and be convicted of what they did. (laughs) You need to repeat step four. (laughs) Did they steal money from you? I bless them in their finances, Lord. I bless them to prosper. Did they hurt you in a relationship? I bless, you know, he cheat on you. I bless him in future relationships. They abandon you. I bless. And here's the thing. They don't have to be alive. They don't have to be in your presence. They don't have to be there. We'll go there. But like that, that's not required for you to release these things. Number seven, commit to your choice. What does that look like? When it comes back up, when the enemy wants to remind you of that offense, instead of meditating on the offense, you meditate on the moment of your choice to forgive. I specifically choose remembering to forget that or to forgive that, excuse me. I remember forgiving that. Not forgiving that person, forgiving that instance, okay? I don't care how many times they don't put the dishes up. You forgive them again and you remember the instance of that choice because we don't do blanketed forgiveness. We do specific forgiveness. So if he, again, didn't do that thing, you've asked him a thousand times, it's that instance. Am I making that point clear? Okay. You praise God for the freedom that has brought you. You You bless them again. You can always bless them again. But we don't keep forgiving the same instance. We don't keep, we stand in our choice to forgive that instance. And we meditate on the choice, not on the injury. And we pray for reconciliation. Let's talk about reconciliation real quick. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation, okay? That's when you are reconciled in relationship. Forgiveness is strictly between you and God. The person, you don't have to see the other person, speak to the other person. They don't have to know they ever hurt you. Jesus prays from the cross, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. It's not a requirement for you to go talk to them. In fact, some forgiveness that we're going to need to walk, it would actually hurt your relationship if you did tell them. You want your kids telling telling you all that every time that you broke their heart, just like every time your mom may have broken yours or your dad may have broken. Like we can release them without tearing them down. They don't have to ask for it. 
because they probably aren't going to. You don't need an apology. They don't have to be sorry. True reconciliation requires two things. Forgiveness on your part, repentance on their part. True reconciliation requires forgiveness on your part, repentance on their part. Are you required to reconcile with everyone? No, Jesus isn't. God is not reconciled with everyone. That's why he calls us ambassadors to plead to people, be reconciled to God. I believe he wants to be reconciled with everyone. I believe it is his heart to be reconciled with everyone. But if they don't have repentance, he can't issue forgiveness. Therefore, there cannot be reconciliation. That is the same in our life. Now, marriages, different caveat. There's covenant there. We can talk about that. That's like different and, and weird things. Okay. So like I understand that there are some relationships. I do believe our heart and families, people that God puts in your life, our heart should be towards reconciliation. But again, met with repentance. I'm not asking you to stay in unsafe and ungodly relationships. says in John 2.24, Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them, since he knew them all and because he did not need anyone to testify about him for he himself knew what was in man. In this scripture, it's basically saying like Jesus didn't give his heart to everyone. Neither should you, okay? He knew when there were people out to get him, to mock him, to destroy him before it was his time. He knew that. And so he did not entrust himself to everyone. You know what he did do? He did love everyone. He did forgive everyone. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, he can help you figure out what that looks like in certain relationships in your life. How do I not give my heart to this person, but still love them and forgive them? Reconciliation, I believe, is the goal. But forgiveness is never contingent on someone else's obedience. Their obedience to make things right, as Scripture calls us to do, when you have, when you realize When you're at the altar presenting your gift and you realize your brother has something against you, go and make it right and then come back to church and present your worship to the Lord, right? We are called to make things right, but we are not called to wait until somebody else's obedience to that one until we're obedient to God with forgiveness. If we waited, it wouldn't happen. Like, let's let's call it what it is. Like, that's why Jesus just says, hard stop, forgive. Here's the thing. Jesus says in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will send you a helper. Radical forgiveness, freedom fighting forgiveness, forgiveness that goes deep, forgiveness that hits those places that you don't even want to talk about. Those things are empowered by the spirit. We talk about miracles, signs, and wonders. I have sat with people that have truly forgiven things that I knew in that moment I was watching a miracle. I knew in that moment that Holy Spirit was doing something on that person's life that if it was Jessica's justification, they would not be required to forgive. But it's a miracle. It is a sign and a wonder. It is a testament. We should be known as people who forgive over and over and over again. Eric, come up for me. I'm going to give us a quick opportunity to engage the Lord in this. Again, forgiveness is a choice. 
healing is the process and it invites it in. And, and, and like, as you do it, you will start to have other things break off. And I believe, I believe we can even get to a point of being, I think, I think it's possible, unoffendable people. <laughs> Uninjurable? I don't know. But I do think we can become unoffendable. That's my goal. I have a ways to go. But it does come from practicing pre-forgiveness, which is a reality. Before your feet hit the floor, why don't you start praying, I choose to forgive today everyone who offends and injures me. You have that relationship with that particular coworker, family member, maybe even spouse, that they keep doing the thing. I'm going to go ahead and pre-forgive them. Like having that attitude is a constant attitude. Again, before our feet hit the floor, knowing that if, if the enemy is to steal and kill and destroy, and God says that every weapon fashioned against you will not prosper, it's not going to prosper because you're going to take the weapons God has given you to demolish every stronghold and argument. So before your feet hit the floor in the morning, I choose to forgive everyone. And then at five o'clock that afternoon, when you get cut off, forgiveness is already applied. And you remember, nope, I've already made a choice. If you'll bring down the house lights, we're just going to walk through these steps real quick. Yeah, go ahead, please. So I just want to repeat, um, just close your eyes right where you're at, and I'm going to let Jessica lead you. But um, the weight of some of these words, I can just sense it in the room. It's just hit. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind you of some things that this forgiveness is cutting the ties between you and the person that offended you yeah. or hurt you or wounded you. And I'll just repeat some of her words before we walk into this. It doesn't make what they did. Okay. It doesn't excuse their actions. This is between you and God releasing somebody and actually, I'm telling you, there's freedom in it. There's freedom in it. Some of you have been hurt. You know, the new phrase, church hurt. You need to forgive the people that didn't represent Jesus like you thought they should have. You need to forgive them. Actually, I'm sitting in there and I'm... Hearing the Holy Spirit say, many walk away from the faith because they don't forgive in church. Careful, careful. So we choose to forgive. Yeah, go ahead, Jessica. And I'll add, when it's hard to forgive, it's a couple things that work for me. I remember what Jesus has forgiven me for. And I remember that his standard can't possibly be higher than my standard. I can't possibly ask Jesus to get on the cross again for someone else's actions. And I also, in that moment, asked where it's hard, God, what's the lie I'm believing about you in this situation? that you're not my defender, that you're not my protector, that you don't have my rear guard or my back, 
Is there an opportunity here that has nothing to do with the offense and has everything to do with my relationship with you? And then lastly, uh, what can you forgive? Where can you start? Maybe, maybe that one thing is too much, but you can, you can start, a, you know, I forgive my dad. Maybe you can't forgive your dad for walking out on your family, but maybe you can forgive him for not showing up to one of your birthday parties or picking you up from school or just saying good morning and being absent in that way. Where can you start? Because when we sow into forgiveness, we start to reap it. Things start to break off and the hard stuff doesn't quite sting the same way. So step one, thank God for forgiving you. Ask God. Step two, who do I need to forgive and for what? Step three, repent for the sin of unforgiveness. Acknowledge it for what it is and make a choice to make a change. Step four, choose to forgive each offense or injury from your heart. Lord, I choose to forgive my dad. Choose to forgive my dad for not going to church with us, for not setting the godly example of what it means to be a man of God who loves his, his wife faithfully, who leads his family spiritually. Choose to forgive my dad to find, for finding more interest in his shed than our living room. I'll choose to forgive dad for making his passions and hobbies priority that made me have to change my passions and hobbies just so I could hang out with him. I choose to forgive my dad for not playing tea party with me, but playing army men and Ninja Turtles with my brother. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? So step five, I release before you, God, I declare my dad is released from my bed. He doesn't owe me anything. And if he never changed his ways, that would be okay. I release him. I release my right to meditate on these injuries. I release my right to identify myself by his, in, his offenses. Step six, I bless my dad, knowing, God, that for me, he's in your presence. I bless him to know the fullness of joy. I bless him that in some way, God, he knows I'm okay. He knows that I'm serving you. And in our missteps together, I'm, I'm bringing your word and your truth and your freedom to others. I want them to know that, God. I bless them to know that. I bless the memory of my dad amongst his grandchildren. 
generationally. And then I stand in that choice. If you're doing work with the Lord right now, stay there and ignore me. As we continue, these are uh, can feel like heavy things, but what's, they release a lot of freedom. And so I encourage you, maybe right here, right now, wasn't the place for you. Or maybe you're like, I got, I got so much to start with, I, I got to go, or, you know, whatever. But I invite you. Like, take a minute, find your place this week, start where you can, start start where you can. If you can go deep and go back into history, go back into history and, and let God do what he can do through the corridors of your life in the time of that. If all you can do is just forgive your three-year-old for not putting their shoes on fast enough this morning, that's okay too. Start where you can. Yeah, and also if... if um if you are doing some, as Jessica calls it, work this morning and you want somebody to pray with you and be with you, um, we'll have people available up here at the front to do that. And um, yeah, and some are just by the Holy Spirit. I know we're, the time's a thing. But, um, but if some, one of the things the Holy Spirit reminded me of, there's some people that this is ongoing hurt. And, and people are still offending in you. It's not like you can separate from that relationship completely, but there's ongoing. Um, uh, I would seek um, a friend, a trusted friend, um, maybe counseling, all those things um, to be able to walk you through and, and help you and encourage you in those things. Amen. Amen. We're the body of Christ and uh, we're here for each other. And, um, and forgiveness for those people are, is ongoing as we walk it through. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> so I said, hey, Jessica, you should teach on forgiveness. It's good, though. I'm telling you, it's freedom. It's freedom. Nobody has the right to hold, withhold the joy that God wants to bring into my life and the abundant life. God, nobody has that right. Nobody has that right. Amen? Amen? Ah, we good? Uh, no. Yeah, no, somebody was honest. I love it. Um, if you're not good, come down for prayer. So if all joking aside, seriously. And we want to pray with you and help you and walk you through. And just remember, the Holy Spirit wants to walk you through all the feels of it all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we sang it this morning. If the truth hurts. God will gladly say it anyway, but God, I thank you that you're walking us through these things. I thank you, God, that you don't, like we've said, that God, you don't look from far away and, and, and watch us whether we obey or disobey. God, you get right down with us and you're working with us in these things. And God, I pray, God, that you would give us your mercy and your help, God, to walk these things out. 
But God, we thank you, God, that we receive abundant life, God. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, you came that we'd have life and have it to the full. And God, we choose to do it your way. And God, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. If you need prayer for anything, please come down to the front. We'll be glad to pray for you. Have an amazing week.